0: Uh, We're going to dismiss kids, grade uh, five and under, and uh, so let's just pray. God, I pray over our young people. Uh, God, your spirit would be uh, strong in uh, class today, and pray, God, um, you just do your work there. Uh, Pray for us as well who are hanging out in here, and uh, I got to pray your Holy Spirit would minister to our hearts, and just, um, yeah, God, that you'd watch over our time, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, Ellen is there and she's going to take out uh, grade five and under. Well, last week uh, we began a uh, new series called The New True You, and, uh, and today we're going to be continuing in on that series. And last week we just talked about how uh, when we give our life to Jesus, uh, that God gives us a new, a new us. It's different from the old. He gives a, a new you, so much so that uh, the Bible describes us as being born again when we open our heart to Jesus. And so when we say, Jesus, I want you to be a part of my life and and I turn from my old life and I want to turn to you and follow your teachings and uh, ask you to forgive my sin or something like that, he changes us radically. It's a supernatural transformation that is such a transformation that the Bible says that you have been born again. It's like uh, starting a whole new life. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if anyone is in Christ. The new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. There is this, uh, this crazy transformation that happens in our life, and the Bible calls it the new self. And it's different from the old self. And last week we talked about just some of the things uh, that are a part of this new self, that we have been, been gifted by Jesus and just to remind us, because it's going to lead into the message today, if we remember some of those things from last week that we, uh, we uh, uh, talked about, you remember we talked about we've been forgiven. That all of the, the junk in our life, every single mistake, every single wrong thought, everything we should have done or didn't do or whatever, in Christ we have been given a clean slate. That you really are forgiven. And you need to believe that. That uh, Jesus' death on the cross is enough to cover your sins. There is no sin too dark or deep that he has not covered. And so part of the new true us is, is a forgiven person. We are, we are completely forgiven. And then uh, we talked about how we are so loved. Uh, we are his dearly loved children. That he loves you more than anybody else loves you. Uh, even though he knows every mistake and all the junk in our lives. He, he knows everything about us yet he loves us with this perfect Fatherly love and we are we are so loved by him and we talked about how we've been uh, we've received all kinds of uh, Things that we don't deserve like the righteousness of Jesus and, and we're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms that he has He has blessed us uh, Beyond imagination and uh, we got more medals because he just honors us and uh, what else do we have he's given us gifts Remember he gave us all these these gifts uh, spiritual gifts And he's given us a purpose And he's given us meaning. That no one in Jesus can say that they're not gifted. No one in Jesus can say that they don't have a purpose or they don't have meaning. Because this has been, this is part of the new true us. This is who we are. We do have a lot of medals, yeah. Uh, (laughs) It is Olympic medal. Uh, We got eternal life. Remember the Energizer battery? Battery keeps going and going and going. Uh, This is what we have. And anything that we live here, we need to realize that uh, that this life is just a nanosecond compared to all of eternity, and that's part of the new, the new true us. We talked about how we have uh, we have power through the Holy Spirit, and the presence of God is in us. And we talked about how we've been set free; the lock has been broken, uh, that we've been set free, and we've talked about we have access to God's throne room. That at any time, because we're forgiven. And we are so blessed we can boldly go into the throne room of grace. And there's lots more other stuff we could talk about. But the reality is, as we talked about last week, that this is the the new true us. This is who we truly are in Christ. And that phrase, in Christ, is the most common way the Bible describes a Christ follower. You are in Christ. Uh, He's given you a new you. Uh, You can't be outside of Christ. You are always in Christ. Uh, Wherever you are, you're in Christ. And and whatever situation you're going through, uh, that is in Jesus. Because you're in Jesus, that means your situation is in Jesus. And Jesus isn't freaking out about your situation. And so all of our thinking needs to stem from this reality. And this is easily uh, talked about. Uh, We probably, a lot of us, if you've been Christian for a while, we say, yeah, I know all that stuff. But here's the thing. It's easy to know this stuff theologically. It's easy to say, yeah, I know God loves me, and I know he's always with me. But it's a whole other thing to let this really settle into our hearts where we actually believe it. It is difficult to get this to a place where we actually believe it. I mean, you could take something uh, simple like, uh, uh, God loves me. The Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. When you really, really understand how much He loves you and that He'll never leave you nor forsake you, it actually is supposed to cast out all fear. But the reality is, we still struggle with fear a lot. Uh, fear is a, is a lot of reason behind addiction. Uh, we fear losing control. We fear really being known. We we fear uh, you know stuff in relationships. We we fear being you know uh, you know being embarrassed. We fear a lot of things because even though we know the truth that God loves us. We actually don't always really believe this in our heart because perfect love casts out all fear. And so part of living the new true us is to actually really try to believe this stuff and not just superficially say, oh, I know the God's with me. <laughs> I know he loves me, but, but are actually, is this changing you? Actually, are you living out of this, this reality? Now I'm going to take this stuff off for the rest of the message, but... <clears throat> Hudson Taylor is an example uh, of the difference here. Hudson Taylor is one of the most famous missionaries who went to inland China and changed the lives of thousands and thousands of people. He believed in Jesus. He believed theologically that God was with him. But he had never allowed that truth to settle into his heart. And he never actually lived out this new true you at the beginning. Here's some just from notes from his, uh, his diary. He says, I have continued uh, continually to mourn that I follow at such a distance and learn so slowly to imitate my precious master. I cannot tell you how I am buffeted uh, sometimes by temptation. I never knew how bad a heart I had. Mine is a particularly nervous disposition, and with a busy life, I found myself in a tremor all day long. I did not enjoy the Lord as I knew I ought. Nervous agitation possess me as long as there was anything to be done can you click on the powerpoint there again yeah there we go Uh, then came the questions is there no rescue must it be thus to the end constant conflict and too often defeat instead of growing stronger it i seem to be getting weaker and to have less power against sin and no longer for faith and even hope we're getting low I hated myself, I hated my sin, yet gained no strength against it. I felt I was a child of God. Uh, his spirit, uh, I felt I was a child of God. His spirit in my heart would cry, in spite of all, I have a father. But to rise to my privileges as a child, I was utterly powerless. In other words, he, he was struggling living out the new true him. Uh, he was just struggling. Like, Why can't I live out this new, the new true me? And when my agony of soul was at its height, a sentence in a letter from dear McCarthy, he received this letter, was uh, used to remove the scales from my eyes. And the Spirit of God revealed the truth of our oneness with Jesus as I had never known it before. McCarthy, who had been uh, such exercised by the same sense of failure, but saw the light before I did, wrote, and I quote from memory, But how to get faith strengthened, not by striving after faith, but by resting on the faithful one. As I read, I saw it. If we believe not, he abideth faithful. I looked to Jesus and saw. And when I saw, oh, how joy flowed that he had said, I will never leave you. Ah, there is rest, I thought. I have striven in vain to rest in him. I'll strive no more. For he has not promised to abide with me. For he has not promised to abide with me. Uh, for sorry, for has he not promised to abide with me, never to leave me, never to fail me, and dearie, he never will. Uh, and uh, and and so he, he goes on and says, I am no longer anxious about anything. The the weight and strain are all gone. The last month or more has been perhaps the happiest of my life. And I know, uh, and I lo- uh, long to tell you a little of what the Lord has done for my soul. I do not know how far I may be able to. Make myself intelligible about it, for there is nothing new or strange or wonderful, and yet all is new. In a world where as once I was blind, now I see. The point is, he knew that God was with him. And all of a sudden, this reality of God with him, the Holy Spirit used this and all of a sudden became real to him. And it changed his world. You see these truths that God loves you, that you are forgiven, that you're righteous in him, uh, that he'll never leave you nor forsake you, those can be simple truths, but I tell you, if you can get them into your heart, into your thinking, it will change your world. And the challenge is not just to believe them, but to actually be in a place where we actually live them out. And as we talked about last week, the starting place of our thinking in any and every situation must be the reality of the new true us. The starting place in all of our thinking must be not our old self, but the new true us. And this radically changes everything in life. When your starting place is coming from the new true you, and not the old you. I mean, we can look at some uh, examples of uh, when God promised to bring the Israelites into the promised land. They send out 12 spies to go check out the promised land. It looks wonderful. Uh, But they came back and they gave Moses this account, it says in Numbers 14. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey, which just means it's it's awesome, we would say today. Uh, Here it is, uh, here is its fruit, and they bring all this fruit, and it's impressive, but the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with them said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. Caleb and Joshua and the other ten had completely different starting places in their thinking. Caleb and Joshua were living, in a sense, out of their new true them. They saw a huge problem ahead of us, but their thinking started with the new true self. We can do this. God promised, we are able, let's go. The starting place of their thinking was God's with us. God loves me. God is big. We can do it. The other 10, their starting place in their thinking was not the reality of the new true them, and it led them to be in a place of fear and anxiety and defeat. Uh, Where does your thinking start when you're facing your world? Is, it, is the starting place of your thinking the new true you and the reality of God with you and the reality of you being in Christ? Again, it makes all the difference. We could look at uh, David and Goliath. You remember, all the Israelites were chicken. <laughs> the starting place of their thinking was not God is big and God is with me. The starting place of their thinking was, you know, I can't do it. But then David said to Saul, let us. No one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man and he has been a warrior from the youth. And again, you see this distinction. Where does your starting place of your thinking start? The Bible tells us over and over and over again, so we're going to talk about today, that the starting place of our thinking, in no matter what situation it is, is, it has got to come out of the reality of being in Christ and the new true us. It's got to come out of the new self, not the old self. Uh, the starting place of our thinking must be the reality of our new true self and the recognition that our old self has been crucified. The old you... What the starting place of the old you is, I can't do it. I am able, I have no purpose. Uh, I suck. I can't do anything. You know, uh, nobody loves me. I can't be forgiven. You know, I'm just everything's miserable. Everything's horrible. Nothing ever works out. that's, That's the old you. And it's been crucified. Your old self has been crucified because, again, as we talked about last week, our old self is crucified and, and, and our new self has been alive in Jesus. That's what Romans says we know that our old self was crucified with him. Do you know that? Because this is part of Christian thinking. That our old self has been crucified. And when something's crucified, it means it's it's dead. <laughs> Your old self is dead. Romans 6:2, we are those who have died to sin. Or Romans 6:8. We died with Christ. This is talking about our old self. Uh, Romans 6, you used to be slaves to sin. Romans 6, you have been set free from sin. Romans 8, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if you have the Holy Spirit, if you have Jesus in your life, then there is a new true you, And the old self is dead and has been crucified. And that's got to be the starting place of our thinking. Because Satan wants you to have the starting place of your thinking be your old self. Where you approach life always, nobody cares for me. Where you always approach life, I don't have a purpose. Where you always approach life, I can't deal with the sin. It's it's too big. I'm never going to be able to get over this issue in my life. That is old self thinking. That's not to be the starting place of your thinking. It is always, always, always the new true me, who I am in Jesus. Any thinking that takes place in your mind that is not in Christ, any way of dealing with any problem that you face that is not looked at as being in Christ, it is not to be entertained. So the starting place of our thinking must be the reality of the new true you. But here's the question. If my old self has been crucified with Christ, uh, why does it seem to have so much power at times? I mean, it's it's dead, the Bible says. Your old self has been crucified. Why does it seem like it's still alive at times? And there's different ways we could look at that. Uh, Some people will talk about, um, uh, and and I've talked about this before, and I know it's kind of gross, but it's the only way I can think about it. It's it's like a chicken. Uh, uh, When you cut the head off a chicken, I mean, reality is the chicken's dead it has no head but that chicken's still moving and squirming and and sometimes our old self is like that it has been crucified but there are times it's still twitching and it's still it's still moving at times but it's dead we don't look at that chicken and say oh the chicken's still fully alive no we see that chicken is dead and that's the way we look at our old self when it twitches when it tries to get our attention we say no it's dead For today's sake, I want to look at it this way, and it's been a while since I brought out Pinky, Um, (laughs) but sad to say, Pinky is is dead, because uh, he doesn't have a soul, uh, he doesn't have a spirit, it's just a doll, it's dead, Uh, but the reality is, I can make this thing look like it's alive, you know, if I started moving his arm... uh, move the air and, and, and he's like, well, this thing is, it's dead, but why is it moving? It's dead, you know, why is it jumping? Uh, this thing is dead, why, why is it moving? The reason it kind of looks like alive is because, uh, because guess who's powering it? I'm powering it. There's a force moving this, and this is like our old self. Our old self is dead, but there is a way that we can make our old self move. And the way we make our old self move and and, and seem like it has power and seem like it alive has everything to do with our thinking. Our old self has been crucified with Christ, but the reason it sometimes seems to have so much power is because our thinking is coming from the old self rather than the new self. And and, and the Bible has so much to say about this in realms with our thinking and our our old self. Uh, Ephesians 4. You are taught, with regard to your former way of life, again, you have a former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So it talks about putting off the old self, putting on the new self, but it says here it's done through the attitude of the mind. It has everything to do with what's going on in your head. Romans 6, count yourselves, or some translations say consider yourselves. This has, again, to do with your thinking. Consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So you can actually consider yourself still alive to sin. And this is what Satan wants you to believe. Satan wants you to believe that you're still alive to sin. Satan wants to believe that you still have lots of struggle with sin and then you have kind of difficulty with God and you're not really in, in Christ, but you have all this problem with sin. Uh, count yourself dead to sin. In other words, the starting place of your thinking is not, man, I really struggle with sin and I'm such a sinner because the Bible only uses that. We talked about it last week and we go, can go, go back. But you're supposed to be count yourself dead to sin. That's not me anymore. That's not who I truly am. That's not the new true me. The new true me is a forgiven person who is righteous in the eyes of Christ, who is filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, who has access to God's throne, who is seated in the heavenlies, who has eternal life. That is who I am. And I count, I consider in my mind that I am dead to sin. That that's not me anymore. That's that's what it says. Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones said this, dealing with this verse Consider yourselves dead to sin. Again, think about the power of our thinking here. We are told to realize and to hold before ourselves and in our consciousness constantly something that is already true of our position or status. It is not an exhortation uh, to us to do anything in regard to sin. In, ter- in terms of it, because it's in your mind at this point, but to realize that what has already been done for us with respect to our relationship to sin. It is an exhortation to us to remember what is already true of us. It urges us to realize what has already happened to us as Christians, those of us who are joined to the Lord Jesus Christ. And what is true of us is that we are already in an entirely new position and standing with respect to sin. That that's your old you. That you have a new self. Your old self has been crucified. You have a new true you. And that is to be the starting place of your thinking. The starting place of your living. You are to interpret every situation that you face in your life through the new true you. Not the old, old you. The new true you. And the way we do that is by putting off our old self it says in Ephesians 4. It says put off your old self. Put on the new self. Same thing in Colossians 3. Put off the old self, put on the new self. How do you do that? Ephesians 4 says it has to do with everything to do with your thinking. (laughs) Empowered by the Holy Spirit, obviously. So you put off your old self, you put on your new self, everything to do with the way you're thinking. You have a choice whenever you face a situation where your starting place is going to be. You face a rough day, you can choose that my starting place is going to be my old self and all of a sudden I start thinking and my old self seems to come alive and like, why does my old self have so much power? It's because the starting place of your thinking is in something that's already dead and you're trying to resurrect it. Uh, We as Christians are not to have fascination with the graveyard. (laughs) Uh, we, We put away our old self. In other words, we don't try to pastor our old self. We don't try to coddle our old self we don't try to make our old self feel better and this is where we get in trouble because when we face a situation often we want to do is our old self starts creeping up i'm a failure i can't do this nobody loves me you know nothing's good around me and we start shaking our old self and it come, comes alive we're to put it away and a lot of times what we want going to do we want to try to make it feel better our old self don't we oh yeah that's okay to think that way you know everybody kind of thinks that way and i need to be grumpy because i need to make myself feel better and i need to have other people feel sorry for me and so we try to cuddle our old self or we try to pastor it okay you know you shouldn't think that way but just maybe just for a little bit because you know we got to make sure that person knows i'm mad and the bible says that should be not of us we put it away we, we put it away romans 6 uh, consider yourself just like that, dead to sin, right? <laughs> you, you ignore your old self. You put it away, and you put on your new self. In other words, this is everything that happens in your mind. As soon as your thinking starts to come from your old self, or you begin to interpret a situation through, through your old self, you put it away. You don't coddle it, you don't pastor it, you don't hug it, you try. You, you don't try to make it better, because Jesus is not trying to make your old self better, he crucified it, and gave you a whole new you. It's like taking a junky car, and uh, and you're like, oh, I just need to put a new engine in it, then it's going to be good, or maybe just give it a new paint job, and then it's going to be good. Jesus says, no, let's crush it, I'm going to give you a brand new car. But we keep trying to climb into that old, that old car again, so... Put off the old self, put on the new self. Romans 12 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. In other words, we are not to allow any thought in our head that is of of the old self. Any thought of the old self, we put it away. We consider ourselves dead to that thought. Sometimes I use this phrase a lot. That's not who I am anymore. You know, I might be on the computer and tempted or I might be looking at somebody who's frustrating and tempted just, just I just that's not who I am anymore. Amen. I put off the old self. I don't try to talk to it anymore than that. I just ignore it. That's not who I am and you just try to walk and think of the new self because you're starting places to be the new self. Yeah. Don't entertain thoughts coming from the old self because you will always get in trouble. Yeah. If you try to make it feel better or try to help it out, no. It's crushed. Get in the new car and drive. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. It's important to know that we have power over our thinking. We're not slaves to our thoughts. This is what Satan wants you to believe. That you're a slave to your thoughts. And so uh, let's say someone really ticks you off and, and they've just hurt you again and again and again. Satan wants you to believe you're a slave to your thinking. In other words, I can't do anything. Of course I'm angry. And of course I'm not going to forgive them. And of course I'm going to stay bitter because look at what they did to me. And it's just like you're a slave to your old thinking. That is, that is not coming from the Christian worldview, by the way. You actually have power over your thoughts. And we see this every day. I mean, you could take two people who are at work and let's say the boss of the company or whatever calls a group meeting and he just, he's being horrible and he just reams everybody else out and he blames everybody for their company losing money or something like that. One person goes home and they're just angry at their boss. You know, they just humiliated me and I was working hard and they're bitter and they kept throwing dishes around at home and they just wrecked their family even because they're so mad about what their boss did to them. Another person who's in the same meeting, you know, is just like, Man, he's really mad, Uh, but I know who I am in Jesus. I'm righteous, I'm forgiving. That person, the starting place of their thinking is who they are in Christ. They go home, they pray blessing over their boss, because the Bible says to pray blessing over those who hate you. God, would you bless my boss? He's hurting, and I know hurting people hurt people. That person goes home and has a wonderful evening with their family. We can throw that into a million situations. Same situation, the difference is what is going on up here. And all of us here can be thrown into the same situation and and people can walk away with different thinking. It is really important to know that Jesus has given you power over your thinking. Whatever happens, whatever comes your way, whatever temptations, you have power over whether you choose to think out of the old self or think out of the new self. And the Bible has a lot, a lot to say about this. Just another example is in 2 Kings. Uh, this is when Elisha, uh, uh, the, the, this army comes to capture him. And he's the, this army surrounds the village uh, where Elisha was. And it says, when the servant of Elisha got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. And he's freaking out. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us, Or more than those who are with them. Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And then he just kind of invites the army out for a wander and they have lunch together. It's it's kind of an interesting story. But (laughs) two people in the same situation. One is freaking out. The other is totally calm. The difference is how they're thinking. One person, their starting point is the old self. God's not with me, and everything's bad, and this is horrible. I should be freaking out, and he does. Elisha is starting; his thinking is coming from the new, true him, what he's like in God. And again, we have that choice uh, in our mind. Here are just some of the verses that talk about the power over our thinking. Uh, the weapons we fight with are not weapons; the world uh, are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Take thought every captive, make it obedient to Christ. In other words, you have power of your thinking. In any situation, you can choose to take captive all those thoughts and put it to Jesus and to make your starting point the new true you. Uh, if you don't take captive, you're going to end up again in your old self. Or Colossians 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on, uh, uh, on things that are above. Not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ. Exactly what we're talking about. Set your mind on things above, on who you are in Jesus. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Hebrews 1 says, why? Because you have a new true you. Your old self is dead. Your new self is alive. And so again, every thought needs to be taken captive, and it's got to match up with who you are in Jesus. You cannot afford... You cannot afford to have any thought in your mind that's not a thought that Jesus is thinking. You can't afford to have any thought in your mind that's out of your old self because it just it will always cause destruction. It'll cause destruction in your relationship. It'll cause destruction in, in your relationship with God. Uh, we have power over our thinking. Do not believe the lie that I'm a slave to my thoughts. And because of my circumstance, I have to think this way because you know it's everybody else's fault and I can't do anything about it. That's old you thinking. Uh, That's not new you thinking. In fact, just to prove we have power over our thinking, we can use an elephant. You got an elephant? Okay, I'm going to make it disappear for a second. Uh Just in your mind for a moment, uh, picture an elephant. Okay, Now, uh, make that elephant a black elephant in your mind. And then turn that black elephant into a white elephant. And then uh, give that white elephant wings... And all of a sudden have that elephant like fly up into space. I mean, uh, I mean, probably all you could do that. Um, it shows you, you, you have power over your thinking. You can take an elephant and change a color. You can, you can change it in different ways in, in your mind. I mean, the reality, is just brain 101. You have power over your thinking. And this is no different when it comes to the old self, new self. Uh, we begin to think out of the old self. We just change that black elephant into a white elephant. Uh, set your thoughts, your thinking on things above. Uh, You start thinking about the the horribleness of your situation, you just start thinking about what God can do and who you are in Jesus. You change your your, your thinking. Philippians 4, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Again, over and over and over and over again in the Bible. The Bible says you have power over your thinking. You can choose how you think about that person. You can choose how you engage with God in that moment. Consider yourself dead to sin and alive to Jesus, and that's got to saturate your thinking. Now, practically speaking, this... Is not always as easy as changing a black elephant into a white elephant. Because if you've been in a habit of sin long enough, and we've talked about this before, it creates basically super highways of thinking in your brain. You create all these neural connections, and so very easily you think this way. And the challenge is, again, when you start thinking that way, is to shut down that thought, consider yourself dead to sin, that is not who I am anymore. And as quickly as possible, set your mind on things above. Set your mind on the new self. Set your mind on who you truly are. And the more you do that, the easier it gets. The more you entertain your old self, the slowly that life transformation is going to happen. And so it's about killing those old brain circuits, creating new brain circuits, by considering yourself uh, dead to sin. And so again, you have power of your thinking. We are not slaves to our thought. The highest you is your new self. The most powerful you is your new self because you're in Christ. Uh, the Bible says you've been set free. You're no longer a slave to sin. So any kind of thinking that, that makes you a slave to sin or makes you again a slave to your thinking uh, that's not new self thinking. Uh, Romans 5, those who live according to the flesh or to your old, old self have their mind set on what the flesh desires. Again, why is the old self so strong? Because we often will set our mind on what the flesh desires. We set our mind on the old self and we try to help it out and, and make it try to feel better rather than putting it away. Considering it dead, that's not who I am anymore. I'm a new person in Christ. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. And so, whenever we look at a person, uh, we don't think out of our old self. We think out of the new self. Uh, we always ask the question, uh, "God, what do you think about that person?" Uh, "God, what are you doing in that person's life?" Uh, we don't old self thinking and just get mad at all, all these people. Uh, 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 but those who live in accordance with the the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh or the old self is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. This is part of the motivation of why we do this. The more you think out of your old self, the more the starting place in your life is old self, the more death you're going to experience in your life. The more relationship difficulties you'll have, the more time you'll find yourself being frustrated with people, uh, the more trouble will just follow you, just like have the smell of death in your. Why? Because, because you're holding on to someone who's dead. No wonder you smell death. I mean, if you try to hold your old dead self, things get stinky, uh, right? Well, we don't do that again. We put it away because it's stinky. Our old self is stinky. We don't hold. We put on the new self because it smells much better. By the way, and, and so uh, just just continually just. Am I living out out of, out of the new the new true me? And we'll just finish with uh, this again here. We we brought this, this up last week. This is just a practical way to actually live this out on a daily basis. And that was the, 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 the apple. You can just remember apple. And so it's A-P-L. Uh, a is ask what self is this thinking coming from, the old or new self? P is push away your old cru- crucified self. L is live the true new. So that's how it works. In any situation the your face, just ask a simple question. Is my thinking coming from the old self or the new self? So you're having a a, a bit of a difficult time in your marriage and, and it's getting heated. Immediately ask yourself, is my thinking coming from my old self or my new self? If it's coming from your old self, again, you don't give it excuses. You don't say, well, you deserve to be up right now because this is a really hard situation. No, you consider it dead, crucified. You put it away. You don't entertain it. You set your mind on who you are in Christ and who that person is in Christ or how God sees that person. And the more you do that, it, it can happen very quickly in a situation. You can feel your anxiety beginning to rise. Just ask yourself, where is this feeling coming from? Old self or new self? Old self, okay, put it away. Think new self. Think in Christ. Think he is with me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. Uh, you're at work and uh, there's and there's a frustrating situation or you get bad news from the doctor or uh, is whatever is going on, you're in church and things get, uh, you know, a little uncomfortable or whatever, just, just immediately ask, is this thinking coming from the new self or the old self? If it's old self, don't make excuses for it. Don't pastor it. Don't cuddle it. Don't hold it. You put it away because it will only cause death in your, in your life and you put on the new self. All right. So just remember Apple, keep on working that and, uh, I'm going to invite the worship team up and as they're coming up we're going to just finish with a video which is um, from Hosanna Poetry. This is a a spoken word uh, poem uh, done at um, the Celebrate Recovery meeting uh, a few years ago and we'll show that and then we're going to stand to sing.
1: Whatever you are chained to Jesus Christ has come to set you free. Whatever pieces of your past you hold tight to, there is a Savior who paid your debt so you can let those memories be. Whatever you are so used to being defined by, the Son of God has come to speak truth to those lies, and I know this to be right because he did all that for me. So what are you chained to? Are you chained to who you used to be, the things you did, the facts you hid, the things people who look up to you don't know about, that you have no desire? to admit? Do you live in a prison of secrets? Are you chained to what people once did to you? The memories of people that mistreated their power and said some terrible things to you? Did some terrible things to you? Did some things that would break God's heart but put the blame back on you? Do you live in a prison of abuse? Are you chained to what people expect of you? The expectations that you can't shake, that every day is still a piece of you? Do you live in a prison of not feeling good enough no matter what you do? Are you chained to religion, the list of do's and don'ts that you've accepted so you can get by with just the bare minimum, the man-made ways you've exalted, hoping you could earn salvation? Do you live in a prison of traditionalism without a real revelation? Are you chained to your own sin, feeling like you know what you want to do, what is right to do, but still you do? the opposite? Do you live in a prison of your own flesh that you feel you are stuck in? What are you chained to? Because I don't know about you, but I've been chained to all of these things. At one point or another, all of these sins have had control over me. I've been controlled by my desires and lived a life of hypocrisy. I've obeyed my flesh in the name of proving that no one else was in charge of me. And I found comfort in the rituals of religion so I could convince God, hey, at least I'm doing my duty and I've lived in prisons most years I've been living because I never truly got what Jesus did for me I did not get that he did not come to restrict me I did not get that he did not come as a police officer throwing a set of rules at me I did not get that he did not come to condemn me but rather because of sin I was condemned already so jesus came to be a friend to give his life to set his friends free i did not get that jesus coming dying being buried and rising now changes everything for though we have been chained to so many things and have been used to being a slave Jesus said, that's unnecessary. I am creating a new way. I came, died, and rose to life so you could accept. You too can resurrect, and you can have a new life in me. Your chains are who you were. They're not who you're supposed to be. Romans 8 states clearly that if we are in Christ, then our bodies are dead because of sin, but our spirit is alive for we have been made right with God. The same spirit of the one that raised Jesus from the dead is now living in us. So the same God that raised Christ from the dead will give life to our bodies too. He will set us free from the chains of sin too. He will set us free from the pains of our past too he will set us free from who we were and give us a new life too because if God is not enough to raise us from the dead if he's not enough to save us from our lives of sin if he's not enough to redeem us from all the places we've been then he couldn't have been enough to resurrect Christ so either we've been made alive or Jesus is still dead But since he is not, since the tomb is empty and no Savior's bones are lying amongst a graveyard, we can know and rest assured, death has long been conquered. So let those chains fall to the floor, may the metal of our shackles echo loudly around We were once slaves, but are bound no more. We were once dead, but are under sin's ground no more. We are alive. We are free. We are children of the King, and we belong to the Lord.